Hey everyone, what's going on? Good evening. We're actually recording after hours today, not during our lunch break. Uh, it's myself and Michael. Hey, how you guys doing? We're going to be talking about ankle sprains, not high, but lateral low ankle sprains. That's the topic of the day because yeah. they're most common, right? That's mm-hmm. what you typically see in the general population and here in the clinic is a low ankle sprain. So if we're going to talk about high ankle sprains, we could do that at a later time. That's right. And we are also joined by Cameron, our student here, enduring six weeks with us here in the clinic of outpatient. What's going on, Cameron? Hello. Thank you for letting me join in to this esteemed podcast. I'm very honored today. Oh, uh, you're too kind and you're lying. Well, yeah. It was the groovy music. Yeah, That's it was. Right. No, thanks for being here, man. We really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. So ankle sprains, I think here just at this table, we probably can all share our injuries that Mm -hmm. we've suffered uh, collectively playing sports, specifically soccer, right? But, you know, to just review what an ankle sprain is, most commonly uh, it is an inversion ankle sprain. So that moment or the mechanism of injury is when the foot is rotated up and in causing pain and discomfort over the outside or the lateral side of the ankle primarily located over just below the lateral malleoli of the ankle, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And usually there's swelling that is caused either immediately or within a few minutes after the injury as well. A lot of common signs and symptoms that you say you already touched upon, you know, of course, the pain, the bruising, the redness, tenderness, instability, right? Loss of motion is one thing that you would commonly see. Um, And you can't put any weight on it typically either, right? Mm It's awful. Yeah, right, when it happens, I mean, what do we do? Uh, We stand up, we try and walk it off, but it just feels like that ankle wants to give out. Um, Sports that have like the high impact of ankle sprains include basketball, soccer, and and volleyball. Mm -hmm. So- We all play soccer here at this table, don't we? Yes. It's happened, like you said before, it's happened to all of us. Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty badly too, many times over. Yeah, and I just even in the athletic training world, how many ankles we've tried to like tape and prevent from sprains or re-injury mm-hmm. of sprain. I think it's pretty common. Dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think talking about anatomically, what are we looking at as far as the areas that would be injured? Yeah, right? yeah. So when you look at the ankle, let's reference one foot. So we'll reference the right foot, right? Um, you mentioned malleoli or the malleolus. The, that's actually what you typically think when you think of the ankle, right? And underneath that, there's a bone called the talus. And that's where the magic happens, right? When someone rolls their ankle, it's a rapid inversion. And then those ligaments just get deformed or stretched. So the common ones that we typically see that are torn is this one here. It's uh, We're actually looking at a model for those of you who can't see. <laughs> we might do video here pretty soon. But if you look at the fibular bone, it'll go straight down and it'll connect actually to, excuse me, the heel bone. And that bone, that particular ligament is called the calcaneal fibular ligament. That's torn. But the one that's commonly torn is the other ligament that you see that goes from the talus to the fibular bone, which is just below the ankle itself. That's called the anterior talofibular ligament. That's the one that's commonly torn because you'll see that the foot drops kind of like a ballerina and then it rolls in rapidly. And that's when you see that awful, awful low ankle sprain. So that's what we're looking at anatomically that's involved. And it's nice too, because I mean, we've all been through anatomy. We've all learned all of the insertion points, but this one I think is really helpful because it's named after 
the bones of its attachment, mm -hmm. right? So you can just say um, calcaneal fibular, so calcaneus and fibular. So uh, I think that is really nice for patients mm -hmm. so that they can understand more of the lay of the land in what maybe the therapist or the physician might be palpating yeah. on them. Oh, can I, can I piggyback on that? I think it's super helpful to actually bring out a model or use your phone or your computer that's there and show them what's involved. Mm -hmm. It makes it that much more real and they're more likely to be adherent to the actual treatment protocol that follows. Exactly. And unfortunately, there are different grades of, of injury. You mm -hmm. know, the most common is that there's, first of all, there's three grades. So most common, grade one, that's when you create micro tears um, that may not be actually torn, but the beginning of tearing and you have the instability, mm -hmm. right? And then partially torn, so that's a grade two. Um, no significant change, but there is greater instability as well. Maybe increased pain mm -hmm. and swelling, bruising, present and it's not initial um bruising i always feel like you know just in my personal experience that bruising is late onset mm -hmm. uh, and usually starts to present itself underneath that fibular head and around the um calcaneus and then it just drops down deep into the foot mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and then grade three the big bad the worst one uh, yeah i mean other joints have triads and this I think would fit a triad mm -hmm. moment too, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a full tear. There's a pop, there's pain, swelling, bruising, you know, completely instability mm -hmm. through the ankle as well. The big bad, like I said. I know. Oh, yeah, maybe it should be just changed to big bad and <laughs> leave the triad for the knee. <laughs> well, if you're a video gamer, every, uh, well, not every video game, but there's always a big bad. There's a boss that you have to defeat, right? So we'll say this number three is the big bad. <laughs> oh, oh, we were talking about this. Uh, this is a strain, not a sprain. Or am I confused? Can you help me out with that? Because that's honestly, that's commonly confused. I know I'm wrong, but can we touch upon that? Right. So a uh, strain uh, sound is, is more of a muscle indication mm. to a muscle mm -hmm. injury. Uh, there's swelling in around that area of maybe like a bigger muscle belly, um, limited flexibility and range of motion and maybe stiffness. So, you know, to me, a strain again with personal experience is more like you've pulled your muscle um, on your quad mm -hmm. or your hamstring. A sprain uh, involves more of like limited flexibility pain over a joint line um, and is usually quite a bit more directed and decreased range of motion. And is indicative really of a ligamentous structure or a ligament, correct? Right. So I think it's important to differentiate what the two are and use those words appropriately when we're talking about ligaments or muscles. Mm -hmm. I, I did that on purpose, guys, to you know, say that I was wrong. As did I, jumping around <laughs> in the grades of injury. So we're all good. Yeah, we're good, we're good. <laughs> but, you know, I guess the big thing is, you know, with soaps, it's one of those things with uh, what the patient would come in saying mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I played basketball over the weekend with my kids. And as I was landing from a rebound, I fell and twisted my ankle in the process. Now I have pain on the outside lower part of my ankle 
all right, that's that's all you get. Mm-hmm. So then, um, objectively, you know, we've talked about this in larger pod- podcasts where we've observed gait assessment, uh, and then we go into maybe more of our assessment with uh, test and measures, special testing. So, you know, I think maybe this is a good time for Cameron, who is our student, to quiz him. Go ahead. I got my pen. (laughs) (laughs) Give us the lowdown of our special test that maybe would help clarify the injury. Yeah. So in in our curriculum, we learned um, two for the ATFL specifically, and that one was the one that was in front of your ankle. So we learned about the anterior drawer. So that one, you're actually... When you look at the ankle, there's, we call it what is called a mortise. So you have your tibia and fibula bone, but then right underneath it, uh, there's another bone called the talus. And what when we do the anterior drawer, you're pushing the very bottom bone called the talus backwards. And um, you're just checking to see if that, or let me see if I get that right. Yeah, or, sorry, I got that one wrong. <laughs> you have to go behind it, and you're pulling it forward. So then um, you're checking that ligament, and you're trying to see if there's what what we call laxity, or if it's moving a lot. And Basically you, play, right? Yeah. We're looking to see if that has play compared to the other side, right? Yeah. Cool. And you compare both sides. And reverse anterior drawer, now you're up onto the tibia, and you're pushing that one back. So when you look at the bones, you're actually thinking that the talus is relatively moving forward and then that does the same thing well said thank you those are the two primary tests that we would do in the clinic right yeah and you always check both sides and then you're checking for that that play or laxity maria do you do these tests i do Mm -hmm. i do the anterior drawer test and the posterior um, you know, Cameron actually did this on my ankles yeah. this past week, mm. um, just for his checkoff and mm-hmm. my right ankle definitely presents with a lot of laxity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, it gives, I think a patient a good idea of where their ankle is instability or not. Um, but also just so that they have an idea of what the ankle actually provides. You know, it's multiplanar type mm-hmm. movement, and in its structure, it's supposed to help support. So it also, I think, gives patients feedback as to, okay, this may be translating a little bit more than it should be. Uh, these are the things that we're going to work on to help maintain it. I wanted to mention here, I did some research to see what the literature said, and per Hetel et al., if you look at the sensitivity and specificity, it's pretty darn high. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't give you the exact numbers, but they are 0.75 or above. Mm-hmm. Not too shabby. So it's definitely something worth having in your toolbox and utilize during your treatment sessions. However, or evaluation sessions, I think there is a time and place because it depends on the acuity. If that person is fresh, I don't know if they're going to be able to tolerate these tests. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was just kind of smirking because I just was thinking, how often do you do these tests? <laughs> I, I was going to ask you. <laughs> 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 uh, but I agree. I think uh, acuity, it's, you know, you might get that like false negative or false positive because mm-hmm. uh, it also is symbolic of some apprehension because mm-hmm. it puts someone's ankle in a pretty vulnerable spot for that short second. And I think we have to be careful on the chronic side. Um, 
in your case, yeah, you have the instability and you have a history of multiple ankle sprains. But what if someone comes in and they have a history of a Luz Donlos where they have these really lax ligaments and there's a lot of play um, and it's relatively the same on both left and right. Um, I don't know. It's just something to consider, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a big thing is you don't want to mess around doing it repeatedly, no. but it's like a one and done. That's where you have to perfect, you know, mm. doing them frequently. To oh, know oh, dude, I got to say, quality. yeah, absolutely. I got to say this. This is, this is something else that we discuss, discussed earlier before this podcast was um, Cameron and I were talking about it and we were thinking, wow, if we do some of these tests and it's subacute, are we potentially causing more damage? during this healing phase, that's something to also think about. I don't know the answer to that. Or is it preventative? I mean, I think that's the other thing. You get this athlete that's gonna start high school soon, they're gonna be playing sports. Do we check that and see what the laxity feels like and Mm -hmm. start doing preventative ankle stability exercises? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's kind of a cross. Yeah. I wanted to ask, uh, we also learned two different, two others, special tests we learned taylor tilt mm. so that is i have done that one. Oh, you have okay <laughs> uh, that one we're just simulating like an inversion uh, inversion sprain which mm-hmm. is the most common when you think about rolling your ankle and we we think about that as checking cfl mm-hmm. and then you can go the other way going the opposite direction and check the deltoid ligament mm. do you guys have you ever seen a deltoid ligament sprain I never have personally. Mm-hmm. Have you? No. And I think to me, that was something that we had brought up was it, I think it'd be pretty traumatic. Yeah. You know, if, if it was like in my mind thinking someone was slide tackling me in the wrong direction and, you know, hit my inside of my foot, creating that type of, of injury. Mm-hmm. And that would be considered pretty traumatic. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And I that don't li- do it often. That ligament is ultra ultra strong Mm -hmm. you're likely going to have an avulsion fracture before a rupture of that tendon right yeah that's what i remember learning is that true no i agree with that yeah we Mm -hmm. learned about that too i just wanted to see if you guys oh you're testing us (laughs) wise guy what about the mulligan test have you guys ever used that one no no so to go over the mulligans um to the mulligans is to differentiate between if it's ankle sprain or if it's distal fibula dysfunction, if that area is not moving as well. So with that one, we set up as if it's a regular inversion sprain. The patient will probably say it's painful, Mm -hmm. but then when you push on that lateral malleolus in a posterior and superior direction, Mm -hmm. and then do that inversion, like simulate that inversion sprain, it'll like release they won't experience pain so i just wanted to say i just wanted to ask have you guys seen that in clinic so it almost sounds like you're creating apprehension stabilizing it Mm -hmm. that's exactly that's what my mind goes to yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if i have necessarily recreated it that way Mm -hmm. i think palpation is key Mm -hmm. you know first of all and if there was a way that i provided stability with my touch or with anchoring then yeah then i know that i'm on the right track of of separating but i wonder you know what's the sensitivity on that one um i don't have the statistic for that right now (laughs) i wouldn't sweat it too much okay i just it's there (laughs) michael's my kind of guy no no no, don't say that Uh, i have to say when when you mention the mulligan test it makes me think immediately of a high ankle sprain okay so it makes me think it's not so much low but higher okay and i think that's a conversation for a different time Mm -hmm. but i have heard of the mulligan taping technique okay um which does exactly what you said okay um but 
we could talk about that later. Cool. But that's a great question. <laughs> so it sounds like we've understood the different grades of injury, the mechanism of injury, the diagnosis. You know, some other things that I like to do are functional assessments as well, like a single leg stance, the hop test. We talked about is the hop test significant? Um, you know, and I had said, oh, it's you know mainly for the knee, but I mm-hmm. I would do it for the ankle too. I think that makes sense, especially with like a return to sport, um, balance and proprioception as well. Um, but also, you know, one of the things that I had found that I brought up just before we started was measuring ankle range of motion, primarily like standing dorsiflexion mm-hmm. in like a standing forward lunge. Mm-hmm. And I do find that significant because most of the time, one of the things that people will always tell me is that, oh, I'm doing a lot better, but I still have difficulties or I've observed difficulties going down the steps. Mm. So with that, most of the time I'm finding is that that tagless just doesn't want to glide back like it would originally. Mm-hmm. And I have to usually provide some anterior posterior glides to facilitate that movement. Do you ever do that, Michael, to help with that last bit of range of motion? I will. It, it depends. It's case by case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that can be mitigated, though early in that subacute phase, so long as they're wearing the proper shoes and the splint was the proper splint and they were positioned in that splint correctly. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what I'll see is that person just falls into that pointed ballerina position or plantar flexion. So when you consider that and there's instability, that's gonna change the mechanics considerably, right? So it doesn't have that neutral position. That's where you wanna heal. You don't wanna heal in a plantar flex position because then you have to do exactly what you're talking about pack Mm -hmm. yeah that loose pack position feels good but it's not a good place to heal in well and that's the thing too they're always like brace right away i mean i i just am a little mixed about bracing because for the ankle i just think getting back on it is is better than nothing Mm -hmm. um and that's where you know the topic that i was trying to kind of tie into this was rice taking Mm. care of it do we want to rest it it? yeah (laughs) i love rice (laughs) that's because it's dinner time (laughs) Uh, rice first meat um so meat movement exercise analgesics and treatment you know getting some movement in but also making sure that you're maintaining some good support to it as well Mm -hmm. rice i mean i think again that's where we differentiate between resting icing elevating compression and elevation you know there's a time and place for that too at its Mm -hmm. acute phase i mean all in all i think with like ankle sprains it's one of those things where if you follow the acute the phases if you educate patients on like the phases of healing and return to activity whether that is your day-to-day versus return to sport Mm -hmm. you know also the fear for an athlete to go back to playing that sport and not re-injuring because, you know, if you return to sport faster, I mean, like those single leg hop test, they usually will be exact on at what the reoccurrence rate is. I think, wow, I'm so happy you said that because we have to get these people as quickly back to function as possible. Mm -hmm. We have a small window of opportunity to regain strength, endurance, proprioception. And if we don't take advantage of that, I think the outcomes are rather poor or fair. I shouldn't say poor, but they're fair at best. Um, Simply because if you immobilize that long, you're gonna see detrimental effects when it comes to the physiological adaptations when it comes to the ligament repair the nerves and the retinaculum in of themselves. And uh, it affects everything, your gait, your ability to move at that particular joint. So we got to get them going 
ASAP with an emphasis, I would say, on proprioception. Mm-hmm. And here's a good patient question that a patient will ask. So at what point w- will my ligaments heal? Oh, that's a really good question. It depends question. on the grade. It depends mm-hmm. on the grade. It depends on weight, mm-hmm. their body mass index, mm-hmm. right? To some c- capacity, right? It depends on other comorbidities. Are they smoker? Are they not? Um, do they wear high heels? Mm-hmm. Right? Diabetes. Diabetes. There's so many factors to consider. But also knowing that there's not going to be re-adherence. I mean, it'll scar mm-hmm. and it'll maybe, you know, try and re-adhere that way. But truly after injury or even after procedure, if that needed to be done, it's really only 80%. Mm-hmm. That you're not going to be 100%, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. your ankle exercises will be your day-to-day plan. I remember reading, going back to the treatment protocols, right? Or not protocols, because there are many out there that we could discuss, but I don't think we'll get to them today. But when we look at the proprioceptive abilities, which is basically a fancy way of saying, where is my joint or body in space? That's critical because your fa- excuse me, your foot is the interface with the world mm-hmm. or the floor, and you have to be able to adapt to the terrain, whether it's level or not. And they found, and this is according to McHugh et al. in his study, get a foam pad. Right, get one of those blue foam pads and utilize it. They can decrease the rate of re-injury up to 77% if you utilize that. The study in which I looked at, they would do this five minutes per leg, five days a week for four weeks. And that's where they saw the 77% rejection in just using a foam pad. Every day. Every day. Balance balance is key every day. Mm -hmm. I had a quick question. Yeah. For patients that you see, is there any fear for you guys that they're overdoing it when they're rehabbing? Is there any anything where like you're trying to like convince them taking it gradual? Because my dad is like a gun co kind of personality. At, he's listening to this. Uh, hey, hi, dad. <laughs> 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 but it's like, how do you get like how do you convince patients to like slow it down on their their treatment? Less is more at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One um, word. Mm-hmm. Okay. Subjective. Mm-hmm. They tell you that they're up on a ladder, <laughs> they're on a roof, they just ran five miles. You know, I just, less is more. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? It's going to be proof in the swelling. Okay. Um, you know, limitations in the joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easier said than done, though, but how do you motivate or convince someone? I think the education is really the key. Mm-hmm. Bring out the model. Bring out charts that show, hey, this is your time frame for this type of ligamentous strain, right? It could take sometimes up to four months to heal. Mm-hmm. And that's with all things optimal, sleep, hydration, overall health, you name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's enough statistics out there to show the rate of re-injury mm-hmm. with return to sport or return to you know prior level of activity to say you need to just hold it because... You know, inflammatory phase, if it's consistent with that six to eight weeks, if they can just maintain and work towards getting past that, then it's a smoother transition to get around that corner and go back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gradual. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Yeah, because if you, if you apply a physiological stress that's too much for that tissue's capacity to withstand, you're going to re-injure it. Mm-hmm. So you took two steps forward, but now you took three steps back. Mm-hmm. And now we got to start all over again. Less is more. You'll thank yourself later on in the long run. Think about, okay, I got to think about Cameron tomorrow to help Cameron of today. Okay. You really got to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do want to also just point out that, you know, just working with podiatrists over time, one of the things that they always want to ask me right away is, how's their glute strength? So mm, I just want to also mention that I do invest time into not just your ankle. Mm-hmm. You know, I do treat above and below the joint line, but I do specifically go right to the glute and just see what their glute meat is like firing because I think that also facilitates knee stability, ankle stability. Um, you know, again, looking at how I can support my foundational pieces. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's so many things to consider, right? Assisted devices in the early phases, including splinting, shoes, taping, etc. Then we move into the strengthening of the proprioceptive ability. There's so many things to consider, probably more than we can actually address in this podcast today. Mm-hmm. But this was good. I mean, I yeah. think the big takeaways are, you know, differentiating between sprains and strains. Um, the most common cause is an ankle inversion sprain um, and what the grades are of those injuries, um, as well as how we would assess and then provide treatment. So, you know, if you're going to go and have a follow up with a PT tomorrow or if you have an initial eval for your ankle, those are some great things to bring up in conversation and also for just a deeper assessment that you don't get in there and they just start you on equipment or have you start doing resisted bands and you don't know why. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on today, yeah, Cameron. Thank, thank you, Cameron. You. So good to have you. I, I would like to plug one thing real quick mm-hmm. that we utilize during our preparation for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Those of you who are clinicians or students, you may want to check this out. From the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports PT or JOSPT, clinical practice guidelines are available. They were printed in 2021. It's entitled Ankle Stability and Movement, Coordination Impairments, Lateral Ankle Ligamentous Sprains, Revision of 2021. It's a ream of paper, guys. I think it's around like 80 pages, <laughs> but it's a wonderful re- resource to utilize mm-hmm. in your practice. Mm-hmm. It's a good flow sheet. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if you don't read any of it, just go to the end and then <laughs> before the before the other information and just you know follow those steps on maybe um, getting the questions, asking the critical thinking questions for the patient to mm-hmm. really delineate the real injury or the mechanism of injury, but. All in all, there's good reference in there as to, you know, why standing and doing a forward lunge is beneficial to assessing dorsiflexion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 100%. But uh, it was great uh, getting out there again this week and talking. Happy 5th, everyone. Happy 5th. <laughs> uh, hope to continue to get feedback from everyone on maybe another podcast or any injuries that people are suffering mm-hmm. out there that they want to talk about. Wonderful. Guys, yeah. thank you so much. It's been wonderful. And thank you as the listeners. We love you. And keep keep listening. If you have any suggestions, let us know. Thank you for having me on. And of course, shout man. out to my classmates, uh, UNM DVT class of 2025. 2025. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Wish you were here. <laughs> hey, take care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.